Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Dixon, and you are listening to The Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro Magazine, a monthly publication that covers every aspect of the graphics industry. My guest today is Lori Champagne, owner of Champagne Engraving. Lori has had many careers from picture framer to Muppet Builder, hotel night auditor to newspaper editor. In 1994, she found her way to the awards industry, and over the next 15 years, her California-based shop, Champagne Engraving, won countless awards. In 2012, Laurie was featured in a front page article in the Wall Street Journal for excellence in creativity. That same year, she moved to Michigan to start her current venture. Today, Laurie mostly operates in business to business setting, assisting other engraving shops to fill difficult orders and performing detailed jewelry engraving. Her dedicated home based studio is complete with a panoply of machinery and tooling. Before we get started today, let's hear from our sponsor, Graphics Pro Expo. Back with more in 2022, Graphics Pro Expo is the event for graphics professionals. With access to the awards and personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and digital graphics markets, all under one roof. Registration is free and includes access to the Expo Hall, training in the classroom and in the hall, a chance to win $500 in buyer bucks each day of the Expo, and much more. This year, GPX travels to Irving, Texas, March 10th through 12th, Denver, April 14th through 15th, Indianapolis, June 2nd through 4th, Meadowlands, New Jersey, July 21st through 22nd, Long Beach, California, August 4th through 6th, and Charlotte, September 16th through 17th. Get the full scoop at graphics-pro-expo.com. We'll see you there. All right, Lori, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, Now, you've been uh, in the engraving industry for quite some time, and you mentioned that you have a, a home shop right now and you use this wonderful world word uh, panoply to describe your how much equipment you have could you describe your home setup for me i have a marvelous setup it's a separate building it's a four-car garage with a little bit of a loft although my husband's uh stuff is basically in the loft down below is the four-car garage and it's insulated, it's heated, it's got a little bit of air conditioning to it, and it's divided up into four quadrants. So I've got the, uh, let's see here, the Dunn District, which is where I meet with customers and talk with them about what they have and give them back their stuff. I've got the Dirty District, which is where a lot of the woodworking equipment is because that was my husband's uh, equipment. So saws and sanders and the sandblasters in there. I've got the diamond district, which is where I do a lot of the diamond point engraving and pantograph engraving. And then I've got the do it district, which is where I get done most of the work and where the laser is. This year, you're going to be doing some uh, education and some teaching at the Graphics Pro Expos. Um, Tell me about how you yourself learned and why you think it's important to teach the next generation of engravers. Well, I'm very excited to be teaching at the upcoming expos. I'm looking very forward to that. And learning is trial and error. I'm I'm terrible about going online and learning, and I would really like to be better at that. I would like to have more time to do that, but I don't at the moment. Um, I just experiment. I don't ever believe anyone who says that can't be done because 
there's always a way to find to a uh, there's always a way to find to make something work. And you just got to play with it. You've got to think outside the box. You've got to think about other industries and other types of uh, machinery that you can pull in to do the things that you want to do. I talk with people from other organizations. I have worked in the framing industry and I pull from there. I work just from all sorts of different sources. And find ways to make things happen. And I make a lot of mistakes along the way, but part of what's important is learning how to fix those mistakes or at least replace the items that you ruin. Uh, let's talk about those mistakes a little bit. How do you keep from panicking? <laughs> how do you, how do you, knowing that uh, you can't sell that, how, what's the best way to not panic and to learn from that situation? Panicking does no good. It wastes time. You, you can't think straight if you're panicking. You're just it's just not a useful thing to do. So you just got to sit back when something messes up and take a deep breath and go, okay, how can we fix this? I can't tell you how many times I have put little vines going around things to hide random lines that shouldn't have gone where they went to, or just add extra decorations just to give it that extra touch that really was never meant to be there then it happens. And if I need to replace it, then I replace it and I learn from that. It's the way it goes. Now, you've mentioned that you do a lot of collaborating with other shops, other engraving uh, companies. Talk to me about your relationship with other shops, how you built those relationships and how that works out for you as a business. Well, I like going to other shops because Truth is, there's no two engraving, there are no two engraving shops that are exactly alike. Everyone's got their little niche, something they do better than the other, a process they do that someone else doesn't do. And I have been offended by other shops who have let me come and visit. They've let me tour their, <clears throat> their workspace. And then I go, you know, that's really cool that you do that process. How do you do it? They're like, oh, I can't tell you that. That's that's a trade secret. That's, oh, if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? We're all in this together. So the shops that don't say crap like that, I am more than happy to work with. And since I specialize in difficult to engrave and difficult to work with objects, they're more than happy to send those objects to me. Sometimes they'll send the customers and sometimes they'll just send over, you know, taking the objects themselves and get it to me. If they send over the customer, then I will give them a cut of whatever I make off that project. And also a promise that their customers are their customers. I am not here to steal their customers. I don't want their customers but I'm more than happy to help with the jobs. And then later on, when I need something from them, then I can come to uh, their shop and go, hey, I really need this large format sublimation done. Can you get this done for me? And so it, it's good to work back and forth. I, I've had adversarial relationships before with other shops and there's nothing productive about that. It helps nobody. So it's much better to work with other people and with other shops and just see what we can do together. If someone's on vacation, hey, I'll refer my customers to you if they have an emergency. You know, it, it's, it's just a better idea. Unfortunately, it's just not the way most of society here works nowadays. Do a lot of your collaborations come from shops that are just 
either missing the expertise that you offer or the equipment that you have or just the perspective that you bring? A little bit of everything. It just sort of depends. And also it could be just time. I get things every so often, especially during the holiday season, that they're like, we just don't have time to do this. Can you get this done? And I'll do my best to squeeze it in and make things happen. It's, it's collaboration all across the board. It's not just, well, I have this machine and you don't, but it's along those lines. Let's take another quick break here and hear from our sponsor of this month's episode, Graphics Pro Expo. Go to graphics-pro-expo.com to find out what's happening at Graphics Pro Expo in a city near you in 2022. Irving, Texas, Denver, Indianapolis, Meadowlands, New Jersey, Long Beach, California, and Charlotte. GPX is back with more in 2022. More exhibitors and floor space, more networking, more special programming and events, and more training while continuing to provide a safe and personalized experience. Find out more and register at graphics-pro-expo.com. We'll see you there. And we're back with Lori Champagne. Kind of like to return to uh, the topic of uh, learning new techniques and such, the way that you said that you do a lot of trial and error. Um, how much of it is just being curious about what's going on that's new in the industry? And where do you find out uh, about new ideas that you want to try? Okay, new ideas. Let's go backwards and let's see if I remember going backwards. Okay, I'll give you a story of what happened. How long ago was this? It was in 2000. So, oh my God, 20 years ago, 22 years ago. GDC lasers, which was relatively new in the engraving industry, was decided to have a contest. And they were going to award three of their lasers to the top three projects that were submitted. At the time, I had my shop in California. I'm in Michigan now. But I had my shop in California, and we did not have a laser. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could win a laser. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. So a friend of mine who worked out of his home had a laser. And I got this wild idea of, oh, hey, maybe we could make this cool piece. I had employees at the time, and we put our heads together and came up with this really nifty piece. And it's an eagle, and the feathers are made of all kinds of different papers. Like if you went to a specialty wrap paper or wrapping paper kind of store, you could find all sorts of cool papers. So some of them were so thin, they were like tissue. And some of them were thicker, you know, not quite cardboard thick, but it was just different things. And we cut all the feathers out of all these various papers and used silicone and a little bit of uh, sandblasting and carving so that we could make a beak. And we made an eagle head and it was gorgeous. We mounted it on clear acrylic on three layers. It was fantastic. We were all extremely proud of it. Entered it in the contest. I get a phone call from GDC going, you have been disqualified. <laughs> it's like, how come? And they said, you didn't make this on the laser. So I went to them and I showed them how to use their laser to make this thing happen. Sometimes the best I, oh, and I came in, by the way, second in that contest. And the guy who came in first definitely legitimately was better than mine. But I, I did uh, win a laser from them. And that was the start of me actually lasering. But sometimes you get your best ideas when you are not limited by the knowledge of how a machine works. That's, you know, that's when 
you are so free to let your mind go to any corner of the universe to try and figure something out. And that's what I love to do. So when I get a new machine, if I have the time, I can play with it and see, oh, what can I make it do? What, what can I, what, what, what can happen with this? Um, I had also had this whim to do origami with metal. And what I did learn is, is you can only fold metal so many times. <laughs> it's just not going to work too many times. But we were able to make some really cool origami fish. And Epilogue says, no, there's no way you did this on our machine. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it took hours and hours to cut it out. But by God, we made the laser cut this out. And they were just shocked. And so you just you learn from one another. And another place that I love finding things out from is when you go to the conventions, one of the most important areas is where the food is. And I'll tell you why. Because if you go and you sit down at a table and just randomly pick a table that have other people there, sit down and talk with the people there and learn what they're doing and what's something cool that they've done and just talk with people there. That's where I get the best ideas from. You know, talking with the reps is great. And most of the reps are more salespeople than creative types. But talking at the lunch table is where you learn stuff from learn what you what is possible because even in the classes you're going to learn more so of the normal the middle of the road things you want to go outside that and find other ideas since you are uh such a big part of recognizing uh, valuable members of your community uh, it kind of makes you a part of the community yourself as you recognize them and how do you use that to kind of promote your own shop and make yourself more well known in your community I'm going to back up in time. When I had my shop in California, it was in a nice suburb of San Diego. It was in Carlsbad, California. Great place on the ocean. Lovely. Two seasons a year, t-shirt and sweatshirt. Loved living in California. We were a corporate-based shop. When other shops were going crazy nuts in June, July, August with kids' trophies, eh, we would get one or two, you know, one or two teams worth. We, we just didn't do that. We were corporate based. We did employee of the year awards. So January was our insanity time. We would do, you know, salesmanship awards. We would do things along those lines. And in coming out here, I just thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just set up a little business and all I'll do is name tags and name plates. Real simple. Nobody needs to come see me. Everything can be, you know, just by phone, by text, by email, and this will be great. And that's not what it turned into in the slightest, um, in part because I have a knowledge base and I want to go out and talk to other shops and see other people and, you know, help out other folks. But I don't have a showroom and I don't want a showroom and I really have very little inventory and I don't want inventory. 90, 95 percent, maybe even. Uh, if you don't count ad specialty items, promotional products, of what comes in my shop, someone brings to me to engrave and then it leaves. So I don't generally sell items. People bring me things. Um, so going back to your marketing kind of question, whereas I am a member of the chamber out here, I think maybe I've gotten in my 
How many years have I been a member of the chamber? Four years, five years, a member of the Waterford, Michigan Chamber of Commerce, which is a lovely chamber. They're very nice. You know, maybe a half dozen jobs. And granted, one of them, I got a whole auto mega dealership. So, you know, that's more than paid for my membership and everything else like that along the way. And they love me to death and they bring me stupid things like uh, Andirondack chairs, which I'm probably mispronouncing, you know, giant wooden chairs made of slats here, engrave this. And I'm like, that's not gonna fit in my machine, but I'll figure it out. Uh, they just bring me all sorts of random things to be engraved as do most. Um, I do zero advertising. I do zero promotional. I do zero marketing. Um, I have a Facebook page. I don't even have a website. And I don't think I put anything on the Facebook page for like six months. My husband's been barking at me to put something else up. And yet my sales, if I can talk numbers, three years ago, my sales for the year were $40,000. No, 44000 That was in 2019. 2020, of course, COVID hit. My sales went down 10%. So I was at 40,000. This year, my sales were $90,000. I don't know why. I, I have good reviews. I don't have a lot of reviews on Google. But I think a part of that also is engraving shops are dropping like flies. They're just, people are retiring. There's no one there to take their place. And when a shop goes away, then all their customers have to disperse out to other shops. I think that's part of it. I think word of mouth is a big part of it. And I think, quite frankly, the ability of the public to go online and go engraving near me has been, quite frankly, the best marketing and advertising that I could get. I, I do nothing. I, I have no real answer to what you have to say. And quite frankly, I'm mostly a member of the chamber so that I get out and be among people because I hate people. <laughs> 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 that way, at least I'm around people. I'm not, you know, being a hermit or anything. Just uh, one more question for you today before we wrap it up. Um, looking into the future, you've already mentioned a couple of concerns, but uh, what other concerns do you have about the future of the engraving industry? Um, but also, what opportunities do you see? All right. The biggest problem with the engraving industry is the same it fits into the same reason why there are no more beautiful buildings anymore are being built. I live in Detroit. I live in the Metro Detroit area. You go downtown and you look at these buildings from the 1920s and there are beautiful carved, you know, gargoyle type things on the buildings. I mean, the 1920s were a heyday for art and for just decoration and making things beautiful. And you go back even to ancient Greece, these statues and stone carvers are gone. I mean, you can find them you know, here and there, but they're basically all gone. And unfortunately, that's what's happening to the engraving industry as well. And it relates back to uh, what I had said earlier about people who, when you walk in their shop and you go, oh, how do you do that? And they go, oh, I won't tell you. Well, that's the problem. We need to be training the next generation. We need to be letting all these people know who have left their jobs during COVID, which most certainly there's plenty of them, and who want to start their own business. Hey, here's a business that you can join. Here, 
you don't even have to know anything coming in. Every one of us who's an engraver, unless it was their parents who engraved before them, know absolutely nothing about the industry or knew nothing about the industry when they first started. You can come in and find your niche and start up a business and have your own business. And I think that's part of the problem. Our greater organizations in the engraving and the sign making and the embroidery and all these industries are not, they're doing great job promoting themselves to us who are already there, but they're preaching to the choir. They need to find a way to get out there to the greater community and go, this is a great business for you to be in. I have never known an engraving shop that has gone out of business due to lack of money because they weren't getting business coming in unless they really sucked. <laughs> but that's a different problem. But I mean, people are closing their businesses because their kids don't want to take it over and they can't find buyers. And buyers don't want to buy it because they take one look at it and go, I don't know how to do that. Why should I even try? I think we need to get it out there. And I think there needs to be some sort of, whether it's an apprenticeship or just making an effort to hire high school kids. When I had my shop in California, I always, always, always had a high school kid working for me. And it was always the child of a parent who we did business with. So that way, if there was a problem, I knew who I could go to. But find a kid because then when they go away to college, they can go into any engraving shop in any town and get a job and they won't be stuck flipping burgers at McDonald's. Nothing against McDonald's, but everything. But give them at least a career that they can get a job doing. It's just a thought, but at least it gets it out there. I would hate to see this whole industry disappear because nobody's you know, nobody's training and no one remembers how to do things. We're already approaching that in some places. I mean, you know, there's a small handful of engravers out there who can do the real old fashioned hand engraving. I can't. That's my error. I had the ability, I had the opportunity to learn it and I just didn't take the opportunity. But teach the next generation, you know, bring in the next level of people who want to buy businesses and get a start on their own. It can be as lucrative as you want it to be because there's tons of business out there. And that's why I don't look upon any other engraving shop in the area as competitors. There's way too much business to have to compete. It's not that difficult to find. They'll come to you. I'd like to thank Lori Champagne for joining me today. Be sure to check out her work at Champagne Engraving on Facebook and keep an eye out for your nearest Graphics Pro Expo to see her live educational seminars. You can catch all of our previous Graphics Profiles episodes and tune into new episodes by subscribing to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. New episodes come out every month. And if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, drop me a line. My contact information is in the show notes at the end of today's episode. Till then, stay safe and best of luck in business.